Ayers on the Road, Parenting in a Modern World. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. And hi there. We have had a wild ride this week, but it's not exactly on the road. We've had a wild ride on the wedding. Youngest daughter getting married. You who listened last week know that a week ago today we were up to our proverbial necks in details for the wedding getting ready for this last daughter who wanted everything to be perfect, and I kind of think it was. It was. Our, you know, the biggest problem was Pinterest. Pinterest <laughs> is really hard to keep up with, but boy, this girl loves Pinterest, and we had the most gorgeous wedding you can imagine. And some of you may have noticed if there's anyone at a wedding who is almost as excited as the bride herself, it would be... Young girls, 10, 11, 12, thereabouts, who are little flower girls or bridesmaids, actually. And so we thought we'd give you listeners a special treat, and we're joined today by two of Charity's nieces. One is Hazel, who's 10 years old, and one is Aniston, who is almost 13 years old. Well, actually, she is 13, aren't you, Aniston? You're very yeah. close. <laughs> and so I want to just hear from Hazel for a minute. As a 10-year-old, Hazel, what was the most wonderful thing about the wedding to you? Um, I don't like what part of the wedding, because there were so many parts of the wedding. Yeah, what was your favorite part? I... What was your favorite part of the reception? Okay, of the reception, I loved dancing. Yeah. That was, like, super fun. Me too. And did you feel like like Charity was pretty excited? How would you describe how Charity looked and acted at the wedding reception? I think she was really excited, and um, I don't know. I was, think was she a pretty good dancer? She was a very good dancer. Ah. And Aniston, you're nearly thirteen. What did you think? Uh, I liked the um, yeah, I liked the dancing too, and the food, and uh, yeah, I think Charity was. Really relaxed. I thought, like, if I, it was my wedding reception, I'd be really stressed and making sure everything went well. But it, she was really relaxed, happy because it made it really fun. So, can you imagine yourselves in that situation in maybe ten or fifteen years, Hazel? Um, I think I would be kind of like what, like what Charity was doing. Like, I think she wasn't like super stressed. Or she wasn't like, like. You know, yeah. she was like, and yeah, she was making sure everyone was happy and everything, but she was also making like, sure that, like, she was having fun and, because this was her reception, you know? Oh, very yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. Now, here's what I want to know. Why did neither of you manage to catch the wedding bouquet? Because <laughs> we tried, okay? <laughs> yeah, there were a bunch of adults in front of us, and it was super annoying. Yeah, and she was like, don't let the little kids do this. <laughs> oh, did Charity want the look? But isn't it supposed oh. to be the person who catches it is the next one to get married? Yeah, but I still uh, wanted to get a bouquet. But if you'd caught it, that would mean all those older girls that were there would have to wait a long time to get married, right? Well, maybe they could go to a different wedding and catch the bouquet there. Oh, that's, yeah. a, good, that's a good possibility. Okay, so... um well, we just wanted to have the a little of the excitement. Any last words from you girls on weddings or on charity or anything else you want to say? I like my favorite part of the whole entire wedding was she, when she came out of the temple. 
Oh, that was pretty special, wasn't that? Everybody was so excited. Everyone ran and hugged Terry and Ian. It was so awesome. (laughs) Except he took a really long time. Yeah, they did. Yes, he took a long time. I've always been excited about my wedding, but going to Charity's wedding made me even more excited. Awesome. Okay, girls. Well, we're actually at the zoo, so we're going to excuse these girls. You might hear the sound of a car door opening. They're going to go wait for us while we get into the serious part for only parents. Thanks, girls. Off you go. And there they go. I'll tell you, it is one thing to see the uh, to see a wedding through the eyes of children. I just think that was uh, there was a lot of work. The reception was at our home, which is a nightmare. Um, but we got it painted, we got things fixed up, and now we're going to live in a really nice place. We really needed to do that. We can relax. Now, Linda, we entitled this show The Stress and the Glory of a Wedding. And I, I want to I you to tell the listeners what you think those two words mean in their extreme, pretty extreme, extreme stress and extreme glory. But before you do, let me just say that one of the things that's fascinating to us is, yeah, as, you, as many listeners know, we spent a lot of our time studying the institution of marriage on a macro basis and how uh, our biggest concern is the breakdown of marriage and how few people are getting married these days and how how fragile marriages somehow seem to be. And one of the interesting things we've come across is a study that reveals that uh, the bigger the wedding, the longer people are going to stay married. Now, that, that's a dangerous kind of a statistic because you could argue that if you have a big wedding, that's not the cause of anything. That's the result of a commitment and of strong families and of families that care about commitment and so on. And that another result of those things is that a marriage lasts. But at any rate, as we watch the world sort of spinning a little out of control when it comes to marriage and people saying, well, we don't really need a little ink on a piece of paper to prove our love for each other. We can just move in and live together. And that's the majority now. The big majority of people in developed countries do not marry before they cohabitate. And it's hard to, it's hard to argue that that is always a bad idea because people will not listen to you they will say well it just makes sense it's 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 intuitive to want to try out something before you make a commitment but of course our view and i think we're pretty well backed up by statistics on this is that the commitment is the thing as we mentioned last week that gets you through the hard times and so we're concerned about it but If you are a family, and I think uh, probably a preponderance of our listeners are those who at least believe in the concept of marriage, why did we entitle the name of this show The Stress and the Glory of a Wedding? Well, anything that's really hard uh, to succeed um, is wonderful because, you know, the stress part is what gets you to the goal. And so it really has been very stressful. Um, Part of our problem is that we have this daughter who lives in Palo Alto. We've been trying to organize this long distance, and she's come home 
two or three times and got dressed and gotten fitted and all that stuff. But it was just a wild scramble every time she was here to get everything done that we could. So it really is stressful because there are just so many details. And particularly on this child, who is a detailed person, you should see the list she sent out for everybody. All the assignments was absolutely incredible. Everybody had an assignment, and that's what made it successful. Yeah, I think it was wonderful that she really um, organized it. Charity's 28. She just turned 28, and her husband now, I was going to say fiancé, but he's now her husband, Mr. Wright, as we call him, is 30. So they they were old enough to really want to take matters in hand, but they were not above us being involved financially. <laughs> they didn't, no. That didn't seem to affect their independence, but what a great thing it was, and what a thing now in the aftermath. I almost feel like the aftermath of a wedding is the best part, because you can look at the pictures, you can go back, and uh, in this day and age of instantaneous videos, one of the things I did to kind of keep myself from getting too involved, which is, I think, what Charity wanted, she didn't want her dad getting too involved. I have a history of getting a little too involved, as Linda would testify. Yes, so, you're right. So what I did is I just took my my uh, my, uh, my smartphone and I, I took movies a lot of the time, little clips, and now in the aftermath, I'm looking back through those. Have you noticed how interesting it is that sometimes when you're in a moment, I mean, you're aware that it's joyful and wonderful and so on, but it almost takes seeing it on film or seeing it in a video after the fact, to realize how wonderful it really was. It's like you gain a perspective that you can't quite have right at the moment that you're in the moment, as it were. So I've been sitting in the aftermath today and looking at uh, videos and watching it and, and frankly, kind of pinching myself and saying, wow, I, I really don't deserve this. This is, this is one of those wonderful times that will only happen once for this daughter, and you got to pinch yourself and be be grateful and realize that you don't deserve it. It just it's one of those things. All you can do is be thankful. Well, I was really proud of Charity because she was determined to be in the moment in this wedding, and she truly was in the moment. If you heard the version of the show, you heard these girls say their favorite part was the dance. This girl's a dancer, and you should have seen her take off once the dancing started. It was so fun to see. We had her up on a chair at the at the reception. Those of you who are not familiar with our faith may say, what is this wedding reception? And maybe I should just <laughs> clarify that um, in the Mormon church, we, we often are able to have marriages in our temples, and they're, they're somewhat private ceremonies, and they're, and they're very dignified. They're very quiet in some ways, and so the reception is the big party that follows. Nothing required about it. You just do what you want and so on. And so we um, we really did have quite a big reception. And Linda developed a cold, and she's actually um, trying to get outside the car where we're doing the show from and cough a little bit. So she'll rejoin me in a minute, but it gives me a chance to just go a little further with that thought I was on a moment ago that, um, well, let me finish this thought first. So, so the reception is a time when all the friends from far and wide who are way more than could be in the small 
ceremonial room in the temple where the marriage occurred, he had to come and offer their their best wishes and their congratulations to the bride and the groom. So that's the thing we had at our home. And we cleared all the furniture out, of course, just to have a big enough space for a dance floor. And the first part of the reception was greeting and meeting and so on. And it was lovely. But when it really got wild is when our son, who's the closest one in age to charity and was acting as the DJ, cranked up the music and things really got hopping and charity who has been a dancer all of her life um grabbed me and we started it off in the traditional way but from there it just got more and more crazy and we even got her up on a chair holding her up up above the crowd and did havana gila and danced around and i think a few of the people who came in to the wedding a little late saw that and thought my word we're in the wrong place this is a enormous Jewish wedding, and we are we don't know what to do, uh, but uh, they, they figured it out. Well, there's nothing quite like seeing old friends who you love that you don't see very often come to celebrate with you. And, of course, she had friends. Our children all saw friends they hadn't seen for a long time. And we so appreciated everyone who came, and we so appreciated everyone who couldn't come and would love to have been there, but there were a thousand other distractions. So let us take a little break, and when we come back, we're going to try to broaden this discussion a little bit so we're not just talking about our wedding that happened last week, but about the whole idea of family celebrations and how much they can mean to the resiliency of children and to the happiness of old folks like us. Right, Linda? Be back right after be back right after this break. Iyer's on the road. Parenting in a modern world. Here's Richard and Linda Iyer. And here we are back after that little bitty break. And we're gonna transition now into what the real name of this show is, and those of you who Go on the BYU Radio website, which, by the way, we encourage all of you to do. This is a work in progress, and the the BYU Radio website is really becoming a great place to go both before and after shows, because you can find out in advance what the show is going to be on, and you can then listen to it after the fact if you miss anything. And we always have currently what we're doing, and we'll post a couple of wedding pictures if anybody's interested. Right, but I think the actual title of the show this week is a very interesting three words. We're going to tell you a little about them, and and then we'll progress further into this topic next week on the show, but the three words are life in full. Life in full, which happens to be the working title, at least, of the book we're working on now that will come out next year written primarily for baby boomers, written primarily for those who are in the grandparenting stage of their life, maybe thinking about retirement or at least some changes in their perspective and in their careers and in their everyday lives. And the reason we're calling it Life in Full is, frankly, because of what happened last week. And that's why we wanted to start the show off talking about that wedding. When... When you reach your 50s or your 60s, 
Eve in your 70s, although we wouldn't know about that yet. But when you reach that uh, stage, there is a wonderful fullness of life. That's not to say life is without problems. It's not to say life is easy. It's not to say life is suddenly golden. We get these pie-in-the-sky sort of halcyon pictures of retirement as this golden time when everything's easy and good, and that's, that's rarely the case. But the reason we call it life in full is because there's so much fullness. I mean, seeing a child get married, seeing a grandchild come into the world, being able to look back over your life with perspective and see the things that have been good and the things that haven't been so good and putting them all together, there's there's kind of a fullness. It's like the autumn season when, you know, the days aren't quite as hot things aren't quite as pressure cooker, and you're kind of enjoying the longer, slower feeling of the leaves turning. And so we're going to get into life in full for the rest of this show a little bit, and then next week on the show we're going to get into what we're going to say in this book. So if you're if you're in that age category, a baby boomer, by the way, baby boomers now are all 50 to 70. We've moved into that area. It's about 20 years. And uh, if you're in that age category, we encourage you to be with us the next couple of weeks on the show. If you're not, if you're younger than that, we encourage you to listen on behalf of your parents and maybe to get them to tune in next week. Well, I just can't think of a more life and soul experience than being in that room uh, where those two were sealed together. Um, with everybody that you love, all every one of our children came home and their spouses, except one who had a medical um, situation, and it was absolutely incredible to be there in that room with everyone that you love. And then they also did a dinner um, outside with heat lamps, and all of the brothers and sisters had a chance to say on both sides, had a chance to say some little thing they appreciated about them, and honestly. That was about as full as life gets, don't you think? I well, mean, that was really amazing. Yeah, you said that very well, honey, because because fullness, you know, I mean, it's not always a positive term. Full of full of stress, full of worry sometimes and as you reach this age, and there's well, a lot of people to worry about, but also full of emotion and full of love and it's sort of a cup running over is the metaphor. You know, when people say, how are your kids? I mean, we have nine. That's a hard question to answer, and I don't think they really want to know individually. And I always say, you know, they're all doing great except for the ones that are in crisis this week <laughs> because somebody's always in crisis. I hope that makes everybody feel better because we have had so many crises this week, this year. And uh, it really is true that somebody's always in stress for some reason or other whether it's buying a house or a complication with a pregnancy or whatever it happens to be for the flavor of the week, we've always got stress. Absolutely. But again, uh, maybe we can use this radio forum to talk about a little disagreement we're having, Linda. Maybe we can resolve it and maybe we can't. But I, I want to call this new book we're working on, again, a book for baby boomers about the autumn of life, about the next 20 years and what what we should be doing with our time when we reach this stage of life, what our priorities should be and how we can maximize it and feel the full joy of this time of life. And I love the title, Life in Full. 
And Linda is, I think, warming up to it a little, but maybe not quite so much. Oh, man, I'd rather call it something like the view's great over the hill. (laughs) (laughs) Well, then you're admitting you're over the hill. Well, no, over the hill is great. I mean, it's hard getting up that hill. It's really hard. You're sweating and, you know, every day is hard getting up the hill. But then you come to a certain point in your life where it's a little bit more downhill and you can look around and see the view a lot better. Yeah, I agree with that. In fact, one of the things we're doing in the first chapter of this year away, it's still a year away, but we're working hard on this book. And one of the things we tried to do in the first chapter is really take apart and sort of uh, debunk some of the really bad cliches about it, like you're in decline, you're you're over the hill, you're fading fast, and all those things. And one of the things we're having a little fun with is just what you were doing, honey, where we we say, hey, let's let's accept the metaphor, but let's change the meaning of it. Over the hill, where would you rather be? Would you rather be sweating and pushing those pedals and shifting into low gear and wondering if you're going to ever get up the hill, or would you rather be just over the hill? And I guess in our mind, the metaphor is a really steep hill going up, and then you reach the top, and hopefully it's kind of a long plateau gradually going down, but very gradually. That's what we all hope for in our older age. Yeah, but some people have a very steep slope on the other side, so the ride is just as wild going down. Um, you never know, and there are some ups and downs no matter what way you look at it, but it is what it is, and it's kind of exciting to think about. And here's my case I'm making to you, Linda, and to you listeners. If any of you have any feedback on the book title, you can let us know, but the reason I like life in full is, is really that word full. It's like full color, full technicolor as opposed to black and white. It's like full in terms of you know, you you're you're never you never feel empty. You never feel. I'm, I'm, I better be careful with that. A lot of people, as they get older, feel empty emotionally because their children have left the home, and you know they don't have that daily contact with their children, and that's the empty nest syndrome to some degree. But more and more, I think in this day when we're mobile and when we have technology and we can reach out. By the way, at the wedding the other night, the only family that wasn't fully there was one one son who came himself, but his wife and daughter stayed in New York because of some medical procedures. And the other one, who uh, is a daughter who came all the way from China, but couldn't bring her children. But again, modern technology, we were Skyping, we were FaceTiming, it's like we were all together and the word fullness just kept recurring to us. And we're hoping we can convey that in a positive way where people take a look at this new book when it's out and say, that's what I want is fullness. I I don't want to back off. I don't want to... The problem with the word retirement is it's just all wrong. I mean, it just it just implies we're dropping out. We're sort of going into hibernation. We're going... Go and play golf the rest of our life or live in a... Can you imagine, by the way, I shouldn't say this because some people love them, but communities that are all seniors and don't allow any kids to even come in, that seems a little like purgatory to me. What do you think? Well, a lot of people ask me how to get their parents more involved with them as young families because they 
they've done that their whole lives and they're done. They don't want anything more to do with it. I mean, that's not the average person, obviously. Well, it's understandable in a way. People that feel that way, like, okay, I'm done now. It's your job. And it is. But, wow, the joy that you get from having those grandchildren and then sending them home is so awesome. Although some of you have people (laughs) in your house that you can't send home because that is home. More and more of you grandparents are raising your grandchildren for whatever reasons, and there are a lot of reasons out there. And your children are living with you, and it just becomes very, very difficult. But we have to think of ways that we realize that we are having the best time of our lives. Uh, we We try not to tell our kids how much fun we're having. Thinking, Linda, it's almost like like life in full is not only a description, it's kind of a goal. It's kind of like as we get older, the goal is not to get empty. The goal is not to feel like we're running on empty or that our houses are empty or that our lives are empty. Maybe that's why I like full so much. It's like the, the opposite of empty. And the goal, it seems to me, should be to fill our lives. But the difference is... To some degree, not different for different people, but you have a little more control over what you fill your life with. Let's face it, when you're in your 30s, and a lot of you listeners who are parents right now would agree wholeheartedly, your your life is full, but you don't have much control over what it's full with. It's full. It, people are dumping stuff in on you all the time. The kids have so much going, you have so much going, you're in the midst of your career, you're in the midst of your parenting, and life is full, but in an almost uh, unorganized, crammed in, it's it's full like a, this is a terrible metaphor, but it's full like a trash can that can't hold any more of it's terrible. Yeah, that's terrible. <laughs> but, I, but I think life in full for those who are in their 50s or 60s, you have a little more, a little more, sometimes a lot more, um, choice over what you fill your life with. But we hope that you listeners will um, continue with us next time because we are going to elaborate on this and let you know that um, we're, uh, our lives are just as real as yours and that there are some things that are really difficult about being over the hill. Of course, your health is huge, and we'll discuss that a little bit as well as the great joy that comes from being a parent uh, apart from your kids. We'll get into wealth and health and some other things about life in full. Go on the BYU Radio website. Give us any feedback you have, and we'll see you next week on Ayers on the Road. Bye. Bye.